Well, Job has got a lot of problems, I'll tell you. He's lost everything, and his friends have come around to talk to him. Bildad is one of his friends and says, Job, I know what your problem is. Your problem is you must have done something wrong. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery TV. We are studying Job chapter 8. In about five minutes' time, it's going to be very interesting, so stay there. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? I'm going to be taking a look at a very surprising ancient art form today. Ryan? Today, my focus is on Job 9.9, which is a very interesting verse because it refers to the Pleiades and the Orion. It's going to be interesting. I am an amateur astronomer, and I love talking about stars, so that's great. Okay, Janice? Grace? Grace. So, Corey and Ryan, in 20 minutes, Janice in 25 minutes are talking about Grace. Let's open up our Bible guide. It points us to the most important book of all the Bible, where we can hear what God is saying. Let's listen carefully. Job 8, 1 through 13. Then Bildad, the Shuhite, answered and said, How long will you speak these things, and the words of your mouth be like a strong wind? Does God subvert judgment, or does the Almighty pervert justice? If your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgression. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the Almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. For inquire, please, of the former age, and consider the things discovered by their fathers— for we were born yesterday and know nothing, because our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words from their heart? Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water? While it is yet green and not cut down, it withers before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. Job chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. Job chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11. These are amazing verses that we read as we go through the Bible. And as we read them and look at them, we need to understand that there are some things in our life that change and other things that stay the same. Now, God has put in place the patterns of things that tell his story so that we can hear him. For example, in Romans chapter one, the Bible says, quote, or since the creation of this world, his invisible attributes clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. Without excuse? Yep. Then there are things which change. For example, the technology we live and interact with every day. It's changing. We live in unique times. And the Bible also says, quote, 
because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened, professing to be wise. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made by corruptible man. Romans chapter one, verse 21 to 23. The challenge we are faced with is to know the difference between things that change and things that do not change. I can tell you what doesn't change, the word of God. Things that do change are technology. Now, let me explain something. This is important for us to remember. If you have a Bible guide, that is great. Takes you through the Bible. If you do not, we'll send you one. Write to us or call us, or you can do this. Go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, BibleDiscoveryTV.com, and click on the Bible Guide page. And it takes you to a donate page. And may I say, thank you so much for your donations. They tremendously help us out here. And people have donated, so can, thank you so much. Believe me, that helps us. But it also takes you to a page where you can download the Bible Guide as we print it. And you can join us in this study. Help us to pray today as we look at Job chapter eight. Father, I pray today, as we focus on Job chapter eight, that you would help us to see these amazing things in the book of Job. Help us to understand what you're saying to us so that we can change our heart. Lord, there's a lot of social media around and a, a lot of people talking about a lot of things. And we just need to talk about you. Help us to do that, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we all said together, amen. We need to talk about the Lord more and not about everything else. Very interesting. There's a reason why we're in all of this mess right now. And the reason is not a political party or something. The reason is spiritual. Anyway, Job chapter 8, verse 1. Then Bildad, Bildad, the Shuhite, answered and said, How long will you speak these things? And the words of your mouth be like a strong wind. Does God subvert judgment or does the almighty pervert justice? If your sons have sinned against him, he has cast them away for their transgression. If you would earnestly seek God and make your supplication to the almighty, if you were pure and upright, surely now he would awake for you and prosper your rightful dwelling place. Though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would be increase abundantly. Now, this is something else. Bildad is totally out there. He claims that Job must have done wrong to gain such a punishment from God. Beloved, we do not know how God is dealing with someone. We are not judges and should not impose our views on them. I want you to keep that in mind because it's very, very important. Today's world is amazing. It's full of these things. And we just make judgments on people, you know, social media. Well, I think that, I think that, I think that. Well, hold on. It doesn't matter what you think. We need to understand that God, if we are Christian, if we follow the Lord, is teaching us. And so when we say, Lord, show us your ways and your paths, we need to learn them. All right, let's go back to Job chapter 8, verse 8. Here's what it says. For inquire, please, of the former age, 
and consider the things discovered by their fathers. For we were born yesterday and know nothing because our days on earth are a shadow. Will they not teach you and tell you and utter words from their heart? What in the world is he doing? Bildad tells Job to look at the past for reasons he's suffering. Well, that may, that may seem like a good idea, but it's not. This is also wrong because of what God was doing. It had nothing to do with the past. God was allowing Satan to test Job. That has nothing to do with Job abandoning God. For crying out loud, Job didn't abandon God. Yet Bildad, he's, you know, he's going to mouth off and tell everybody. Beloved, this is the time with social media and everything out there that we're always saying all these things. But it would be wise if there would be a group of Christians who would understand, and I believe there are, that God doesn't ask us to make judgments on things or what our opinion is. That's not important. It might be important to media, but it's not important to God. We need to pray for things and we need to listen and we need to hear things, beloved. So important. Let's keep that in mind. We learn a lot going through Job for social media. Job chapter 8, verses 11 to 13. Here's what it says. Can the papyrus grow without marsh? Can the reeds flourish without water? While it is yet green and not cut down, it withers before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God and the hope of the hypocrite shall perish. Now, this is absolutely stunning. Bildad accuses Job of forgetting God. Beloved, we cannot accuse people in this way when we do, when we do not know their heart. See, when somebody is in trouble, and we have this great wisdom that God has imparted upon us that we know everything and we're going to tell them what's wrong. It may be obvious, but we're not judges. The Bible clearly tells us that. He says, judge not. You're not judges. Now, God does tell us what's right. He says, this is sin and this is not sin. That's a different story than judging. We've got that all mixed up. And beloved, we are not God. We follow the living Lord Jesus Christ. We follow Jesus Christ. Very important because we may think we're God. We may make decisions, but God has already made decisions about us. And God has already shown us our call. And beloved, we need to get with our call. And so today we pray, Father, I pray that you would help us and speak to us and help us to hear your call. Satan has confused us. We don't want to be confused. And we understand that you are not the author of confusion. According to your word, you're not the author of confusion. And you've made it very clear to me that we're called. And so, Father, help us to stay in our call and be focused on that and not do like Job's friends. In the name of Jesus Christ and all of us here said together, amen. A lie is when somebody tells you, I know how you'll be happy. You buy this hairspray and you're going to be happy. You smell like this flower, you're going to be happy. You take this drug, you're going to be happy. You buy this car, you're going to be happy. See, it all tells me I'm going to be happy. No, I'm not. That's not how this works. The truth is that I am not happy until I find the purpose of why I exist. My purpose for living.
Welcome back to the program. Today, my segment is based on Job chapter 9, verse 9, which refers to the Pleiades and Orion. And what's really interesting is that the Pleiades is mentioned three times in the Bible, once in Amos and twice in Job. And another interesting fact is that each time the Pleiades is mentioned, it's always mentioned in conjunction with the constellation Orion. So today, I want to take a look at these stars from both the scientific and a scriptural perspective, as well as a historical perspective. Check it out. Perhaps nearly as old as the stars themselves are the constellations. Indeed, out of the 88 officially recognized constellations today, 48 of them were handed down to us by the ancient Greeks, who in turn had relied heavily on even more ancient sources, which are now lost to us. A constellation is a group of stars that is arranged in a familiar shape, such as a person, an animal, or an object. The word constellation is fittingly accurate, since it is comprised of the Latin words con, meaning together, and stella, meaning star. What's more, there are a few unofficial groupings of stars, either within a single constellation or spanning several constellations, which astronomers call asterisms. Some examples of asterisms include the Big Dipper, which is part of the Big Bear, as well as the Summer Triangle, which are three bright stars, each in separate constellations. Interestingly, the Bible makes a few references to some of these stars and constellations. For example, the Pleiades are mentioned no less than three times in Scripture, twice in Job 9.9 and Job 38.31, and once in Amos 5.8. Of course, the Pleiades is neither a constellation nor an asterism, but rather a star cluster. As astronomer Dr. Danny Faulkner explains, the Pleiades appears as a tight knot of stars visible high overhead during winter evenings in the Northern Hemisphere. Six or seven Pleiades, what we call the individual members of the Pleiades, can easily be seen on a dark, clear night, though the star cluster contains about a thousand stars. The Pleiades is sometimes called the Seven Sisters. In fact, in Amos 5.8, the King James Version renders it the Seven Stars though more modern translations call it the Pleiades. Nevertheless, in all three biblical occurrences, the Hebrew word is the same and means a heap or pile. Similarly, all three of the occurrences where Pleiades is mentioned, Orion is also mentioned in conjunction. However, unlike the Pleiades, Orion is a constellation. Known as the Hunter, Orion resembles the figure of a man, and it is relatively easy to pick out. Interestingly, the Hebrew word used for Orion in the Old Testament is a word that is translated the other 70 times that it occurs as fool. Notably, the word appears translated as fool 11 times in Proverbs 26. Although Jewish tradition identifies Orion with Nimrod, whom Genesis 10, 8, and 9 calls a mighty hunter, the record of this identification dates to medieval times, so it isn't clear that the ancient Hebrews would have identified Orion with Nimrod. What is clear is that in all three of these biblical passages, God and God alone is acknowledged as the creator of these magnificent heavenly bodies. As God himself rhetorically asks Job, and by extension us, can you bind the chains of the Pleiades, or loose the cords of Orion? So as I mentioned at the end of the segment there, the main point of the biblical references to these stars is to acknowledge God as their creator. And that's really important. These stars can't tell us the future or anything about ourselves as astrology teaches. Only God can do that. Stars also can't grant us wishes as some children's stories imagine. 
These Bible verses reaffirm that the stars are created entities made by God for His glory, first of all, and secondly, for our benefit, as Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 teaches. So rather than looking to the stars for answers, let's look to the one who made the stars. In fact, you know, God says that he names the stars. Now, the stars are named after, like we have planets, Saturn and Jupiter and all that. Those are Roman gods. So the question is, what does God name them? Yeah. It's That's true. interesting. Yeah, the Bible talks about how he has names for, for all of them. In fact, so, he does. It's yeah, we, It's a know, lot of names. I'm yeah. ta- and you know, when we get to heaven, I'm going to find out. So that's going to be a very good one. All right. Thank you, Ryan. Corey. Well, I'm also looking at names today, but human names, uh, names that we are given by our parents and images that we associate with those names specifically in the ancient world. As a man of means, as a man of substance, Job would have had one or a few of these. I'm talking about ancient seals. Essentially, they were signatures, but they were very artistically done. Take a look. In the times of the Bible, documents like peace treaties, sale of land certificates, business transactions, adoptions, marriages, and the like were authenticated using the ancient version of the signature, the seal. Ancient seals as we know them came in two forms, the signet or stamp type and the cylinder type. They were used to impress wet clay in any form by either stamping or rolling. Seals were miniature works of art that ranged from half to one and a half inches tall and were painstakingly carved from stone, though there are examples of glass, bone, and precious metal seals. The artists that dared to create them not only had to work in reverse for the seal to impress properly, each seal had to be unique, distinct enough to serve as a recognizable signature for its owner, as individual as the person themselves. The material or stone type that was chosen may also have had meaning, with a certain kind of stone being chosen for a perceived benefit or property. Seal artists also utilized individuality in the stones themselves to make their work stand out. There are examples of seal designs incorporating marks, splashes of color, and lines naturally occurring in the stone to enhance the seal's appeal. These signatures were worn in several ways. Signet types were often mounted in a ring and were either worn on the finger or hung on a necklace. Cylinder seals had a hole drilled through their center like a bead through which a mounting pin would be placed so that it could be worn in a few different fashions, most commonly in a necklace, bracelet, or on a clothing pin. Thousands of seals and seal impressions have been found from antiquity. It's believed that the oldest seal ever found is a signet type from the 6th millennium BC. Cylinder seals were in popular use in Mesopotamia from around 3400 to 400 BC. 3,000 years of prominence eventually put to rest by writing materials. Clay as a writing material was slowly replaced by papyrus paper, which would be bound and sealed with a lump of clay that was easiest to stamp. Within the heyday of the cylinder seal, however, signet seals were also in use, especially important for the Bible during the first millennium BC, the time of the kings. Seals appear in many biblical passages most often reflecting their general use of giving someone's authority to a transaction or document, but also sometimes in symbolism. Famously, in the Song of Solomon, the female speaker asks to be placed like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm, for love is as strong as death, its jealousy unyielding as the grave. 
This verse seems to reflect the practice of seals being buried with their owners. As seals represented the essence of their owners, they were common grave goods. So the love of the romantics in the song went beyond the here and now into the next life. There we go, a very practical and yet also beautiful and interesting art form from the ancient world. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and I think we need to pay attention to all of these reports. Thank you, Ryan and Corey, for these are excellent. Uh, and we need to think about, okay, what is God saying to us through this? So that's really the reason that we're studying the Bible this way. Janice. Yes, I said grace, grace. Do you remember that old chorus? Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace. Grace that is greater than all our sin. And there's beautiful verses that go with that, with that chorus. And it's such a good reminder of God's grace with you and with me and the grace that we need with each other. In Job chapter 7, Job is pouring out his heart. You know, I'm looking, I just glanced down at my Bible, Job 7 verse 5. My flesh is caked with worms and dust. My skin is cracked and breaks out afresh. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. And he's just pouring out his heart. And then he, he, he talks to God, what is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? How long? And he goes on and on. And Bildad comes at him, Rod, that, that he needs to repent. And he basically tells Job that he's a bunch of hot air, that everything that he says is just a bunch of hot air. He says to him in Job 8, verse 2, How long will you speak these things and the words of your mouth be like a strong wind? And I don't know about you, but there have been times when I've been in pain or I've been in trouble or I've been afraid and I say things that I wouldn't normally say in those instances. Have you? Have you ever been in sadness and, and said something that you wouldn't typically say? And I think here, you know, if, if Bildad had just listened, if Bildad had just been one to accept the fact that Job needs to pour out his heart, that Job, a lot of times, Rod, and you know this to be true about me, I'll come to you with a situation and I'll just pour out my heart to you. And by the time I get done, I've gone, oh, the way around in the circle and I have figured out my own answer by the time I get finished and you've just sat there just like you are right now and 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 I've worked it out and a lot of times we women are like that aren't we right Corey oh yeah we we, we can talk about something and and really what it is is we're just sitting with a safe person mm -hmm. sometimes it's with God that we just pour out our heart to God because he is there and available for us to listen and you know if you follow the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have committed your life to him, then he is your heavenly father. And we can go to him with everything. And in fact, we need to go to him with everything and we need to be honest with God. 
He sees where we are. He knows who we are even better than we know ourselves. He knows what's inside of our heart, what makes us tick. And he knows the way to speak to us and to help us through these situations. So today, as we remember the grace that God has had with us, grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all my sin, that grace is not extended extended to us to keep sinning. Did you hear what I said? That grace is not extended to us to keep sinning, for me to just say, well, you know, that's just the way I am. That's just my propensities. It's so that that grace that's extended to me makes me love my Heavenly Father even more because I don't deserve that grace, but yet he extends it. So before we're very quick to jump on somebody else, maybe somebody doesn't, agree with the way we think or like something that we've said, instead of retaliating and striking back, we need to have grace. We need to ask God once again to put a guard over our mouth to help us. And that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart, first of all, would be holy to God. And that if I feel like I'm going to say something that I shouldn't, I can remove myself from that situation because God always makes a way of escape. But let's not make excuses for ourselves. If we are a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, let's not make excuses. Let's follow. Let's do what a Christian is supposed to do. That's one who follows the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's do that. It's not easy, is it? Because we are not God. God is above us. We serve God. We follow God. We follow Jesus Christ. We're not gods. And so we have to understand that we don't have the ability to be God. I mean, incredible. We don't have to make all these decisions like that, but we have to follow what the Lord said. He tells us what he said in this Bible. That's excellent. What an excellent point. Uh, Very good. We need to continue to listen to the Lord and hear what he's saying and follow that. I've been talking about this for some time, but Roku is a box you put on your TV to make your internet into television. And if you know what Roku is, then you can go to BD Family and Friends. That's BD Family and Friends. That's our channel. And uh, you can see all the things on there, this program every day. You may be watching there now, so do that. Father, today we pray, help us to become good listeners. Listeners, good listeners. and great prayers.